Welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Schmitz, joined by my courageous husband and co-host, Mike Schmitz. Oh, man. <laughs> Thank you for that lovely introduction. It's uh, great to be here. <laughs> God, I'm so glad to have you. I'm glad you showed up today. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. This is going to be a fun one. We're talking about something today, which is kind of right in my wheelhouse, something I've been thinking about for a long time. I was very excited when I saw the title for today's episode. Yes, today we're having a discussion about life themes. This can also be known as your identity or your life purpose or a vision for your life. There's a lot of ways to name it, but there's great value in identifying this for your own life. And we Mm -hmm. have done this. So we want to share with you, first of all, why have a life theme or a vision for your life? Do you want to just share why? Sure. So basically, a life theme is going to set your direction. When I came across the term life theme, I'm not sure if I picked this up somewhere, but it's what I use in my faith-based productivity course. And what it means to me is it's kind of your North Star. And so for me, for example, my life theme, I filter all of the side projects that I do. Uh, obviously, my my main work, the stuff that I get paid for, bring home the bacon, like that has to be filtered through there because that's going to that's gonna be what gives it meaning. But even the side stuff, I try to make sure that it's in alignment with this because if I am doing something just for money, I will probably, before the end of the project, end up resenting the fact that I have to do it. <laughs> right. And our vision, we try to keep our vision greater than just our immediate needs right in front of us. Because we can easily get sidetracked if we have such if we're so short sighted. Yeah, you know, I, this reminds me. This isn't in the notes, but reminds me of that story about the three bricklayers. Yes, I don't know if I've told on this podcast or not, so I apologize if I have. But it's a story that I really like about these three guys who were laying bricks, and there's a tourist who walks up and he's like, "What are you? What are you doing?" To the first guy, and he's all huffy and he's like well what's the matter with you can't you see i'm laying bricks and then he walks up to the second guy and he's like what are you doing and he's like well i'm i'm building a wall and then he walks up to the third guy and he's like what are you doing and that guy's all excited and he's like can't you see i am building a great cathedral to my god and there's a lot of ways you can interpret that story i think the first guy that he's kind of doing a job the guy who's building the wall he's got a career but the guy who is building the cathedral, whose heart and soul is in what he's doing, he's got a calling. Mm-hmm. He is motivated by this life theme. You know, he's a cathedral builder. Mm-hmm. This is a ministry to him. It's a vocation. It's he much sees more. what it will do. Yeah, it's much more than just, well, this is what I do in order to get money to pay my bills so I can survive. Yeah, and I, that makes me think of uh, raising children, too, because the nitty-gritty of every day can get to be overwhelming at times. And if we are like the first person where it's my job to be home with these kids and feed them and stuff and keep them clean and healthy, you know, (laughs) we've all been there where we can view it that way and have that attitude without even knowing it. Mm -hmm. But when we expand our vision for that, we are literally fashioning and forming these children to be world changers. Yes. So we could be the first person and be stuck in the day in day out and the negative 
or we can take a step back and see it for what it really is, this incredibly powerful thing where we're raising the next generation. It's an incredible honor and privilege and a big responsibility. Yeah, we heard the other day in one of our church services, the verse, which I've heard a hundred times, that children are like arrows in the... Hands of a mighty man. Yep, exactly. And it hit me when I heard it this last time that you can either react to what is happening to you, in which case you are the target and the world is firing arrows at you and you're trying to survive and get through another day. Or that verse is really talking about living from the inside out. So instead of being the target, you are the one who is directing action towards Towards, a specific target. Yep. That's what potential family is all about. You know, you can live your life by design or by default. Yes. And with that, like an arrow is an incredible illustration because an arrow has three parts. And the people that fashion arrows, those skillful people, it takes a lot of time and effort to fashion an arrow correctly because it has to be perfectly straight. Mm-hmm. The feathers have to be perfectly aligned because that the feathers are what keep it going on course towards the target. The shaft, the main part of the arrow, has to be perfectly straight. And the arrowhead has to be sharp. It has to be precise. And that's a great picture that I've enjoyed really studying and meditating on lately about raising children is that these are three parts. These are, And there's three parts to children, their body. We nourish their body. We their, um, their spirits would be the feathers and the arrowhead would be their minds. So mm-hmm. education is important. Teaching them is important. We homeschool our children. That's very a big part of what I do with them. But also it's important for them to be healthy and healthy foods and all that stuff, exercise. But the greatest one I believe is the feathers Mm -hmm. because that keeps it on course. If the feathers are off and not perfectly fashioned on there, then they will easily get off course. And it doesn't take, it takes the tiniest little degree to get off course and not hit the target, not hit the bullseye and building their spirits, building their identity, building their vision for their life is really crucial. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, it's easy to get motivated about this kind of stuff when you're talking about your kids, but you got to figure it out for yourself first. <laughs> yes, yes. Otherwise, we can only get go so far if we just project it onto them without being grounded ourselves. They're going to think that, well, it's going to be hypocritical, basically, if you're telling them this is super important, you need to understand this, and they can see that you're lacking this yourself. So you need to spend some time and figure it out for yourself before you try to reproduce it in your kids or it's not going to work. And this is the kind of thing where there isn't an easy answer no. to this. <laughs> it's not going to be something that you just stumble upon and you're going to be like, oh, there it is. There's my life's calling. It's going to be trying things and figuring out what worked, what didn't, and making another adjustment as you go. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. My career path is kind of crazy (laughs) because I was working with the family business and then I started writing and then that led to one thing, led to another thing, led to another thing. And all along the way, I kept finding what the next thing for me to do was. And it started taking me in a direction that if you would have asked me 10 years ago or told me 10 years ago, you're going to be doing podcasts, you're going to be speaking like 
no way. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> you know, the, the old saying that uh, number two fear is, is death. Number one is public speaking. So if you're at a, <laughs> at a funeral, you'd rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. <laughs> like that was me. I was terrified of people. But then I just started doing writing. I started doing webinars and then I joined Toastmasters. Then I started podcasting. Then I did this video stuff. And I realized along the way that even though it was scary when I did it, something came on inside of me. It was like a light switch had been flipped on. Yeah. And it was a thing that brought me life. And then I was like, okay, that's an interesting observation. So I guess I'll take this a step further and try something else and try something else. And you never can predict where that road is going to lead, but you do need to be willing to explore. And as you do, you're taking notes and you're figuring things out. And then you're kind of forming that into this statement. That's what a life theme really is. It's like, this is my life, my purpose for being here encapsulated in a single sentence. Yes. And when you land on on that, not that it can't shift in a change, but once you land on that, it's stated in such a way that it's not so narrow that you wouldn't be able to explore. Mm-hmm. It's who you are. And that transcends what you do specifically, if that makes sense. Yep. So whether that's writing, whether that's doing techie, nerdy stuff that I don't understand on the computer, <laughs> you know, what, whatever it may be, the purpose, the life theme, the vision, the who you are is constant throughout all of those actual actions, the what comes out of you, if that makes sense. Yeah, that cathedral builder is laying bricks right now because that's the next step in the journey. But when that's th- when that part is done, he's going to switch and do something else that is in alignment with his purpose of building this cathedral. Right, yes. And identifying our life, thing, our vision, our purpose is paramount to living a joyful, fulfilled life. And when we do that, all the circumstances, all the trials, they are much easier to weather and walk through when we have that foundation. Mm-hmm. Proverbs twenty eight eighteen says, where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So we have to have a vision for our lives. It's very, very important to our survival. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, it's going to change. So you don't have to have your entire life figured out. No, that's not at sentence. all what we're talking about. But yeah. it's who am I here and why? Yep. What am I supposed to be doing right now? Yes. And that purpose can help you overcome pretty much any circumstance you have in the the list here. yes. One of our favorite authors, Viktor Frankl. Yes. Um, One of my all-time most influential books I've ever read was Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. If you have not read this, I highly recommend you reading that this year. It is not an easy read. Mm-mm. It's a short read, but the content is not easy because if you d- don't know anything about Viktor Frankl, he is a man who endured Nazi concentration camps. And I say endured in every way. I mean that in every way because he came out and he not only survived, but he spent his life after the concentration camps writing and speaking and teaching and doing everything he could to get the message out of what he found out because he's actually a psychologist. And Mm -hmm. so he had a lot of time as a doctor in the field before he was put in the concentration camp. Yeah. And even more so than just enduring the concentration camp, you really have to understand his story because he was, because of his education, 
they knew that the the war was coming and he had a visa to flee basically he yes. had a ticket out to go mm-hmm. to the united states and he said well i know this is going to happen to my people so i'm going to stay yes and then he was in the concentration camps and man's search for meaning is kind of the first big part of that is his experience de- detailed yes. yeah yep. of his experience so it yep. is definitely going to mess you up but it's very important it is becoming very lost in our culture today that this even happened yeah i know and uh, the other thing that's really big about this is that he his big takeaway from that book is that uh, he kind of credits like the reason that he was able to make it through is that he did not let the nazi guards take his attitude yeah the last of the human freedoms, he called it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they could take everything else away, but they can't take away my positive attitude. And that's not pretending that none of the stuff there is is going on. Right. But it is believing that you're gonna get you're gonna get through it. And he shares story after story of people in there who they were confident that by a certain day they were gonna be rescued or something was gonna happen. Yeah. And those people, it was really sad because that day would come and go and their hope would be gone. Yep. And it was like days later, they, they died. died. Yep. Because, it's very sad. yeah. They didn't have a vision. Them. They had a finite date in mind of, of rescue. Yep. And that wasn't enough for them to, to survive past that big trial when that big disappointment came. Yeah, exactly. They, when that, when that day came in, in, and left, their hope was gone. And without the hope, they had no reason to live. And that's really what a life theme does is it gives you hope for the future. Yeah. That does not mean that you are not going to go through difficulty. I kind of yeah. went through this. I had my life theme. Things were going well. <laughs> I got laid off. Right. Yeah. And then you're like, well, now what do I do? I guess yeah. I got to go backwards to go forwards again. But yeah, but you, it doesn't change anything. Yes, but you had that foundation, so we made it through. It was ugly at times, but for all of us. But here we are, what a year and a half, two years later, two and a half years later. I don't know how long it's been, and we've grown so much through it. And you can overcome a lot of that stuff. Yeah, if you have that life theme, that direction. Victor Frankl, I think, is also the one who said that he who has a why can endure almost any how. <laughs> and if anyone can say that, he can. Come exactly, on. Exactly, exactly. You read that story and then you're like, you know all that stuff I was complaining about? Oh. I got nothing to... <laughs> if, if you're making excuses, read that book because you will not have an excuse left. <laughs> yep, it's, it's true. It's so powerful. And he finds that his purpose is helping others find their purpose. Exactly. And that's what Love he spent that. his whole life doing. Uh, side note, too, about the power of the story. His pregnant wife died in the concentration camp his mm. he saw he was actually by his father's bedside as his father passed his elderly father passed in the concentration camp and he continued on mm-hmm. and he he did help a lot of people in the camps survive yep which kind of leads to another ancillary point again not in the notes but whatever you end up with for your life theme or your vision if it's only about you it's too small yeah it has to include other yes. people. We are here for a relationship. Yep. Our lives are built on relationship, every part of us. That's why isolation is so deadly. Yep. Another verse I wanted to share, which some may be familiar with, is Habakkuk 2 2. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets. So he who, ru- oh, sorry, so he may run who reads it. Mm-hmm. 
So once we have a vision, it's important to put it before us. And we've done that in different fashions. Like, for example, we just covered our words for the year. So we have our life theme, but then we dial it in even more year to year with our life uh, two words for the year and yep. um, our family calendar upstairs. I actually have my two words, freedom and fullness. I put it right on the calendar and you have the same in your office. You have your own work type calendar and you put your words on there yep. just to keep it before us to keep that filter, that focus on how to make decisions and mm-hmm. what we're doing day in and day out. The core values are a part of this too. You know, yeah, all of this back stuff. Back to those episodes, yeah. really good stuff. All of this stuff needs to line up yeah. in order for it to really stick. But when it does, it creates exponential motivation to live it out because you can see how the pieces fit together and that makes it a lot easier to say yes to, to the right things and no to the wrong things because you've got this clearer picture of who you are, where you're going, what you're supposed to do. And then you can identify the things that are just time wasters or distractions that are trying to pull you off course. Which on that topic, by the way, it's worth figuring this stuff out because uh, Ed Cole said once that good is the enemy of the best. Yeah. So your life theme, this is really the best version of you If you get to the end of your life and you say, I have done this well, you're going to be satisfied. You're going to, but on the flip side of that, if you don't have a life theme, you kind of drift through life, you get to the end of your life and you feel regret for all the opportunities that you missed. You don't have to worry about that. If you have that life theme and you're constantly moving towards it and it's constantly accurate, you know, it's constantly being updated. So that's what this stuff does is it makes sure that you're not going to get to the end and look back and be like, oh, I completely missed it. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll share with you my life's mission statement I landed on about a year and a half ago. I help people experience the love of God by revealing the one who is the perfect father to the fatherless, establishing the lonely in the family of God. It's very much, it's all about relationship. And I mean, that helps just identify who I truly am and I would encourage you not to overthink this, mm-hmm. but just let it sink in. And it's not about like trying really hard to land on it. It's if you put it in your the forefront and want to land on something to get you going, and it's just in your mind and you know maybe you take some walks and are reflecting on it. Maybe you're reading some material whatever that is for you. Maybe it's some really good books. Maybe it's the Bible. Maybe you're a person of prayer, whatever it may be. Don't overthink it. Mm-hmm. Like I I firmly believe that you'll land on it and you'll just know from the inside out, like this is right. Yeah. Now, I know how much your life theme means to you, but not everybody listening knows the struggle that you went through to land on that yeah. and kind of the significance of it. Do you mind I don't unpacking mind, that No, I don't bit? mind sharing that at all. It was actually interesting. It was about, yeah, like I said, a year and a half ago. And my dad died when I was only six years old in a car accident. It was completely out of the blue, not expected. He was traveling for work early in the morning, way up in northern Wisconsin to do some special training he was a, a dairy farmer and he was getting specialized in um, Jersey cows. He wanted to have Jersey cows. And he fell asleep at the wheel, hit a tree dead on and died instantly. 
And I have a younger brother who was four at the time, older brother who was eight at the time, and my oldest sister was 10. So my mom of, she was actually only 20, let me think, 27, having these four little kids and receiving this news in the middle of the night. I remember getting the call and it's really interesting because very shortly after that, I had the opportunity by my first grade teacher and she told me about Jesus and said, do you want to receive Jesus in your heart? He'll always be with you and talked about that. And I remember sitting on that carpet square like it was yesterday and receiving the gospel, receiving Jesus. And I tell you what, like I was able to identify God as my father from early, early on at seven years old, only a year after my dad passed. And that incredible, that I believe that helped me not go through a lot of heartache that I could have mm-hmm. if I didn't have that relationship again, back to relationship. But anyway, I go back to the year and a half ago thing that happened. I thought that I was over the death of my father, which I don't know how to, how to relate this. That sounds kind of crass, I guess. But meaning like I wasn't actively grieving and, you know, yeah, that happened a long time ago. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Happened 30 years ago. Come on. And it hit me that I had buried so many things and I kept myself guarded with other people because I still felt that hurt and that pain and that Mm -hmm. sudden loss. And it wasn't until I came to grips with that and recognized it and acknowledged it and accepted it, that I was able to move past and see it for what it was. And that's when I landed on my life theme. That because of my that experience as a young child, that I want my life to be all about helping people experience the love of God that I experienced as a young girl and have experienced for the last however many years, Mm -hmm. 32 years. And I want to help reveal in that love of God that our God is a perfect father to the fatherless. I never was fatherless. Mm-hmm. My my mom was never without. She knew God. She she walked in the love of God. And in that I help others establish, be established as they're lonely in the family of God. Yeah. And give them relationship, give them a place where they belong. And that is the background of that life mission statement and this Last, last, this year, as my words are uh, freedom and fearless, I shared this already too. Sorry, freedom and fullness. (laughs) Freedom and fullness. Fearless fullness. Fearless freedom (laughs) fullness. I am free because I know who I am. I know who I belong to. I know why I'm here. And I can be full on the good stuff that I want to be full with because I don't have all the other stuff in there. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I want to go back to something you said near the beginning of this, where you said you thought you were over the passing of your dad. And I'm not a counselor, psychologist. So take this with a grain of salt, I guess, disclaimer, but you don't have to get over things. And that was... The death of your father is not an obstacle for you to overcome it's a part of your story it happened it impacted you in a very real way and what you have learned is how to deal with that in a way where you come out better on the other side and that's 
very valuable to a lot of other people who have gone through similar things. And um, you told me at one point when you were going through all this stuff, uh, landing on your life theme, that you didn't think it should be your life theme because you viewed it for a while as a traumatic event that you were basically trying to erase. Yep. And that's not that's the wrong approach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That pain that you went through, that is actually the thing that positions you for your life theme yep. <laughs> because you have gone through it and you have figured some things out and now you can help people who are trying to figure it out for themselves. Yes, absolutely. And I thought in trying to bury it and like, well, no, I don't want that. I was fighting. I was wrestling with, I don't want my life thing to be about my father's death. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to remember that. And that is, <laughs> should have been a red flag. <laughs> okay, that's it. <laughs> if I'm fighting this so bad, then I need to deal with this. And you, like you said too, like with Victor Frankl's story, he writes about this and publishes books about it. He exactly. published books about it because it's important. Yeah, him saying that no one can take your attitude has a lot less meaning when it's, I don't know, somebody like Tony Robbins speaking it on on a, on a stage. Yeah. Someone who hasn't had to go through that sort of thing. Right. You know, the fact that he did go through it and he's saying this adds a whole bunch yeah. more weight to the words that he is saying. No, it, it has really much does. More there's nothing more powerful nothing than someone against Tony Robbins. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, there's nothing more powerful than your personal testimony. No one can take that from you yes. or um, downplay it because it's it's your what you went through. Yep. Like you endured that thing. And this reminds me of the little boy in Costa Rica. Mm. We when Mike Mike and I got to go and trip to Costa Rica. One of my all-time favorite memories with my husband is being in Costa Rica with him for eight days. And we did uh, street ministry and we were in a park one day and we had a translator with us because we weren't even studying Spanish at all at the time. And there's this mom and a little boy. And we found out that the, the boy's dad had died recently. And it was incredible because I... The words were just flowing, and I was able to talk to this little boy. He's about eight years old, I think, at the time, and share with him what I went through and mm -hmm. how I met Jesus, and I've always had a father. I'm, I've never been without a father, yeah, and that's true for you, too. huge. Eyes as like big as saucers. He was <laughs> yeah. like, are you... How do you know? You yes. don't even speak the same language. I know, and it was like, I was able to just share with him, and he's he was going through the exact same thing. Like... I went through that. So I was able to speak exactly the same feelings, experience that he was going through and give him what happened to me on the positive in what set my course to not be marked by death and grief, but to be marked with purpose and wholeness in life. And I will never forget that experience. I will never forget the look on his face. And I firmly believe that he is forever changed by that conversation. But if I had buried, continued to bury that, right. would I not have changed that been used to change that yeah, boy's life? Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. If you're too, if you're too scared to talk about that with uh, even somebody close to you, because you don't want to revisit a painful topic, mm -hmm. there's no way you're going to do it with a complete stranger in yes. a foreign country. Yeah. And so I encourage you not to run from the pain, run from what you've gone through or devalue it because everything has value. What's important is what we do with it. Yep. 
own and your own your own story. Yes. Yeah. It's so powerful. Your testimony never grows old or loses power mm-hmm. because it's your story. And when you tell it, you can relive it and it the power just comes through in the story. Yep. Because you went through it. Yep. <laughs> you can quickly remember and tell it like it was yesterday. It's true. It's true. Well, should uh, I share my life theme real quick? Yes. All right. Mine isn't nearly as cool as yours, I feel. <laughs> it's okay. But mine is to help people answer the question, why am I here? By inspiring, encouraging, and teaching them to connect to their calling, discover their destiny, and live the life they were created for. And I landed at that because I went through that struggle myself Mm -hmm. and shared a little bit of my story, trying some different things that I never really saw myself doing. And it started really with just this idea to write a book. I was teaching a personal management class at our local Bible college, and I'm doing all this studying, and I'm realizing that God takes stewardship very seriously. And I'm like, people got to know this. <laughs> and um, so I just started writing every day that uh, eventually turned into a self-published book, turned into several different job things that I've I've done since then. Um, but really, that's the heart of everything that I, I do, is I want to help people make the most of the time and the talent that they've been given. Productivity is a big piece of that. Because productivity isn't just doing things efficiently. The big part of productivity, the one that really gets me going, is the whole effectiveness side of it. So not just doing things well, but um, doing the right things in the first place and saying no to the wrong things that are stealing your your energy, stealing your time, stealing your attention away from where it should be and figuring out what are those things that are going to help you reach your full potential and get you to release those gifts and those uh, those callings that are inside of you. Because if you don't do it, then every one of us suffers as a result. I remember re- hearing a, a story, Todd Henry, I think, in Die Empty talks about this conversation he had with a friend of his. And his friend says, do you know what the most valuable land in the mm-hmm. world is? Mm-hmm. He's like, is it the, is it real estate in Manhattan? Is it the diamond mines? Saudi Arabia? It's like, no, it's the graveyard because that's where all the unwritten books, the unfounded businesses, all those things that people believed in their heart, they were supposed to do them. And they kept thinking to themselves, I'll do that tomorrow. And eventually they ran out of tomorrows. Yeah. You know, I think that's the saddest thing in the world. And I don't want anybody to get to that point. Yeah. You know, I want to help as many people realize what their gift is and release it as I can. Yeah. And, Really, your life theme is very powerful. It's actually the same as Victor Frankel's. He just uses fewer words. Because <laughs> Victor says Frankel says, well, he <laughs> says that, I mean, he's, he's yeah, his his is so simple, but yours is the same. It's his his whole purpose is to help other people find the meaning for their life. Which actually that leads to another another point is avoid comparison. Yeah. Because if I'm going to compare myself to Victor Frankel, I'm going to give up real quick. <laughs> you know, but that, that doesn't mean that my calling is any less valid than his calling. No. Because you, we all have people that we can reach that other people can't. Right. Your message and the way that you tell it is exactly what somebody yep. needs to hear. I remember somebody who 
read my book and my book, it's a self-published book. You know, it didn't sell that many copies. It did not change my life. The process of releasing that book, it was not a huge financial. Well, gain. financially it did start a whole new trajectory for your it life. It did, but the book itself. Yes. If you're looking yes. at the outcome from writing the book you're alone. Like, that was not a successful book You'd be launch. like, that was pointless, <laughs> right? But it wasn't pointless. It was pointless. not pointless. It was the, well, right. It was developing skills. It was like a skills. catalyst. It was developing skills that I needed to get to the next area of my life. But then also there have been people who have written me, one person in particular I can think of, they emailed me and they said, you know, I was burned out. And I was contemplating suicide with a wife and young girl at home, and I just didn't feel like I could go on. And I read your book, and it changed my life. Yeah. If you wrote it for that one person, that was worth it. And I'm not expecting everybody who reads that book for it to change their life, but if that's the only person whose life it changed, it's still worth it. Yeah. And you don't know know. who's on the other side our pastor says, you don't know who's on the other side of your obedience. Yeah. Your obedience in this case is following through and taking action yep. on the thing that is in your heart to do. And I would challenge you, Michael, and anyone else listening, not if you're not comparing, don't ever look at Viktor Frankl's horrible struggles in the Nazi con- can- concentration camp or me losing my dad when I was little and ever downplay your own experience. That's true. Yep. I didn't experience great loss or hardship. Well, we all do in our own way. Yep. And we can't compare one's struggles or trials with another's. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't know. I just really hope that y'all are inspired by this and really want to land on your own life theme and life vision. I'm inspired from recording it. I Yeah, I'm jacked <laughs> up. This is great. If you've not read Victor Frankel's Man's Search for a Meeting, I highly recommend you pick that up this year and read it. And secondly, I would read Say Yes to Life. This is an incredible book that is from about 11 months out of concentration camp. He gave a series of talks. And his son-in-law and another gentleman, they first published this just recently in English. Yeah. And so we are privileged to have to get our hands on this. It's a new book from Viktor Frankl. <laughs> <laughs> who has who has passed away now at this point, but it is an incredible book. Say yep. yes to life. It's very very timely for the day in which we live. And so I highly recommend those two books to pick them up. We'll have links to those in the show notes if you want to buy them off of Amazon. Uh, we also recorded a bookworm episode on man's search for meaning. So I'll put a link to that as well. If people want to listen to that. Yes. So I encourage you to take some time to reflect and identify what your life theme is. I, if it's going to be powerful and you land on it, you'll know from the inside out that it is right. Mm -hmm. And it likely will involve other people. (laughs) Exactly. And it can change and transition over time. But having it identified will help keep you focused and stay joyful and live intentionally. Yep. Once you get it, write it down. Yes. Write it and put it somewhere. It doesn't have to be anything fancy if you don't want. Just get it out there somewhere. To Look put at it. it every day. Yep. Yep. Let it just affect every part of you and what you do. Thank you for listening to the Intentional Family Podcast. We can be found at intentionalfamily.fm. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally. Intentionally.